Welcome to Splainin', a podcast where two guys explain things to each other that they should know, but, but don't. don't. I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. We're getting better at this. I mean, we're not getting worse, and that's... I hope we're not getting worse. If we are, don't tell us. Nope. Let us live in the world where things are magical and... and There's no doing wrong. There's no wrongdoing. Only, only positive thinking and upward growth. Welcome to our 2020. <laughs> Upward growth, name your sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Got him. That was good. Thanks. And now we are at episode 17, baby. 17. Su, su, 17. Su, su, 17. 81. Blah, blah, blah. How does Jeff and Evan have a podcast? Every week they're putting out a new episode. But then someone goes on vacation, but they still make it happen. How do they make it happen? Because they make it happen. They are the ladies. (laughs) 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 They are the ladies. Funny. So as, uh, as you are listening, are you back from vacation? I am just back. Yep. I just you? arrived back yesterday. Oh, and you're back to the grind. <laughs> the COVID grind. The COVID grind. No, but yeah, uh, you're it, doing nothing. In all honesty, I'm I'm almost uh back to work. I'll be back to work on Monday. Mm. Yep. At Mun. Sucks to suck, buddy. It's fine. I'm How's I'm your vacation? Game. Tell me all about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it was glorious. Was it? What'd you do? Uh sat by my mom's pool, drank lots of corona. Yeah. Ate my face off. Yeah. Did uh, you hold the virus? Did I what? I get it. Corona? Oh, the virus. Oh, 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 it's not a great joke. No, it's Nor a very, is it mine. Very poor joke. Yeah. Um, but um I it was Harrison's second birthday. Yep. So we um we got him like a one of those drive on cars, mm-hmm. which for some reason are more exciting than driving a real car. Like when I when I see them, like but like when, when I go to like when I went to Toys R Us looking at them, I was like, man. If I could, like, I would love to have one of those I could fit in. Oh, yeah. That I could drive. But uh, I'm like, almost like a real car. Yeah. And Tiffany was like, you can drive a real car. I'm like, I know, but there's something about that. Like, rather than walking, you just it's drive a quad, this thing. A quad. Not even a quad, because it only goes so fast. Like, it's nice. Like, it basically well, so goes walking. Little, those little remote cars only go so fast. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But quads can go, like, very fast. Yeah, but not as fast as a real car. No, no, no. Yeah. But I'm like, I just like something that just goes basically your walking pace, but you don't have to walk. You just, like. That's called a, a scooter. Or the wheelchair, an electric wheelchair. <laughs> I don't want to be in a wheelchair. No, we don't. Um, but those cars are awesome. Harrison's has, you can plug in Bluetooth. You can have your own radio. You can, the cool thing is if you want to walk on the road and you're like, you're two, we can't trust you to just like not steer into traffic. Yep. If we're on the sidewalk, you can like overpower it and control it with a remote control and he still thinks he's driving. That is so cool. It's like when you have a sibling and like they think you give them a controller and pretend that they're playing. Yeah. It's just, it's just you playing the computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you have me sold. Excellent. Toys R Us? Um, my mom got it. And I think Toys R Us. Mm, see yeah. you there. Yep. I will see you there. So this episode's a fun one. Fun one. Fun one. Um, both are send-ins. No, one's a send-in, and one is uh, us from talking about the a couple of weeks ago. Yes. I can't remember what it is. Yep. So the one that you're doing is a send-in. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, what I'm yeah. doing. I yep. can't remember what you're doing. And um, uh, mine was, we discussed it, about uh, important people in the past in history who we think we should know a little bit about but have no oh, idea yeah. about their history. Oh, right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yes, and exactly. important people that have kind of shaped and paved the way in history of mankind. Yeah, and, and so it's nice to know more things about them other than their name and that they're important. Yeah. So uh, for anybody um, 
who doesn't know, I am doing well. You have no idea how you would know. So everybody, who's <laughs> everyone, including me, I can't remember. Uh, oh, I remember. Yes, uh, I am doing Genghis Khan. Yes, you are. It's a great time. It's a lot. It's yeah. a, a heavy content. Yep, absolutely. Um, and the topic that you are doing is a. I'm going to say it a little bit earlier for a good reason. I don't um, care. Cool. Yeah, they're going to listen to it anyways. It's, an it's a send in from uh, our very own Jake Dobbin, who listens all the time. Um, really, really good friend of mine, and. He sent it to us. He sent actually a couple in. Mm. He sent in the origin of last names. He came up with that one. Oh, yeah. Well, we're doing a lot of Jake, aren't we? Yep. And uh, he sent in the Knights of Templar. He sure did. Yeah. That's not how you say it, but sure. Templar? No, it's, it's not the Knights of Templar. It's, it's Knights Templar. The Knights Templar. Interesting. It's like um, Attorneys General. Oh, or yes. Runners yes, up. Yes, 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 Knights yes, Templar. yes, yes, yes. So. Which he also said in the origin of words. Yeah. How funny. How funny is that? Yeah. So we, I was driving with Catherine and I was, she said, okay, so what are your topics? And I said, Genghis Khan and, and, and Knights Templar. And she was like, I haven't even heard of them. I'm like, that's exactly the point. First off, she didn't hear of them, let alone that she doesn't know anything about them. I but, says, that's the point. Yep. We get to explain it. And she's like, no, I want to know more about Britney Spears. I'm like, we've already done Britney Spears. She's like, I just want to know more. Just do more Britney Spears. I'm like, no. And she's like, no one wants to know about King Kong and the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> I died. I shit my pants. I that was, is a quality joke. I was dying laughing, and I said, Catherine, you know I'm going to have to say that. I will give you credit, but that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that is on point, man. Yeah. Sometimes she hits them out of the park. Honestly, I don't want to hear about King Kong and the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> Excellent. I was like, I'm here Excellent. for that. We could do an episode on King Kong and the Knights of Columbus. Together, as if they were connected. They might be. Maybe. I don't know enough about either of them to say. <laughs> Maybe they are. Well, one's fictional and one's non-fictional. Unless you think there's a giant gorilla. Or maybe the Knights of Columbus are fictional. Mm. Tell me something they've done. Uh, hosted weddings. Hosted. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else they've done. CLB Armory. That's not, no. No. What's uh, CLB Armory? Like, what's the CLB? The CLB is the Something Lads Brigade. The The... Um, Colonial, colonial. Nope, it's a church thing. It's a Catholic. The, no, I'm not gonna remember what it is. Cool. Church. Oh, ch- it's church. It's church lads brigade. Well done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like the CLB was like when you've seen when Spirit of Newfoundland's yeah, yeah. stood. Yeah. So the CLB is like the the first 500. Yeah. yeah. Was like, that their armory? Yeah. Basically, the CLB were the ones who got like all the the blue patees that they yeah. were on their things. Like the CLB collected all that and they left from that arch. Yep. Down on Harvey Road, under that arch. That's yep. where they all left from. Interesting. Yep. Things you learn. Things you learn. You've got some playing to do. Shall we dive in, my friend? Dive. I mean, if you can. If you can. <laughs> uh, that was... There's, yeah. Yep. Uh, so first, before I dive into this, I'm going to ask for forgiveness for mispronunciations. I promise you there's no way I'm going to pronounce You're not fluent in Mongolian? No. Oh, okay. No, no, no. That's... That's nothing I skipped new. I that, actually. I did, I did French. Ah, uh, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I didn't even do French. I did history. You, you did history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't take Mongolian. I took history. <laughs> and yet, don't know anything about Mongolian history. No, or Genghis Khan. No. Um, so I do um, apologize um, for... I don't know Choo-hoo. why I did that. I looked at the screen and apologized about it. Can way. I ask you another question? Please. Mongolia. Yep. Still a place? Yep. Okay. And I did geo. I mean, maybe. Actually, I don't know. God, that's the only bad. Thing, the only thing I know is that the red pepper is an authentic Mongolian experience. But, like, is the is a country of Mongolia a thing? And it's, 
I mean, here's the thing. If it is, there are millions of people in Mongolia who we've just severely destroyed. We don't even know whether they exist or not. That's what I'm trying to tell you. That's why I'm apologizing now because I promise you there's no way I'm pronouncing any of this correctly. It's one thing to pronounce something that's not your language wrong. It's another thing to not know that a country exists. But, I mean, there are a lot of countries. There's I lot- guess there's a lot of countries. If you listed countries to me that yep. like, weren't you know, European countries or like yep. you know, Western, basically, yeah. like there are so many African countries. There's like 86 countries in Africa. Really? Did you make that up? I made up the number 86. <laughs> there's many. There's, there's, <laughs> it's definitely in the two digits. How many countries do you think there are in the world? 196. I, I knew that. I mean, that number came off the top of my head. It may not be factual, but it's somewhere around there. Okay. But anyway, um, Mongolia country, don't know. You should know. And please correct us. But don't correct me on my mispronunciations because they are there. Want to leave those na- au natural? Au natural. Okay. To the Chinese, he was the barbarian scourge born from the wastes. To the Europeans. Wait, the barbarian He was what? a Sorry, demonic I, servant. What? I didn't want to ruin your... Like, was, you are literally I ruining. It was very Mr. Movie voice and I really loved it. But I didn't understand what you said. To the Chinese, he was the what? The barbarian scourge. Yeah, S-C- I don't know that word. You have to... S-C-O-U-R-G-E. Scourge. Or scourge. 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 <laughs> okay, start from the beginning. Do it again. I don't want to anymore. But can you say it like scourge this time? Scourge. Okay, start from the beginning. To the Chinese, <laughs> he was the barbarian scourge, born from the wastes. To the European, he was a demonic servant, leading a detestable nation of Satan that poured like demons from Tartus. To human history, though... He was one of the greatest warlords in history. We're talking, of course, about Genghis Khan. Great. Yeah, we're talking, of course, about Genghis Khan. I love it. Okay, Genghis Khan rose from humble beginnings to establish the largest land empire in history. This is what I thought I knew. After uniting the nomadic tribes of the Mongolian plateau, he conquered huge chunks of Central Asia and China. His descendants expanded the empire even further, advancing to such far-off places as Poland, Vietnam, Syria, and Korea. Mm. At their peak, the Mongols controlled between 11 and 12 million contiguous square miles. It's a lot, is it? It's a lot. An area about the size of Africa and including other areas. Many people were slaughtered in the course of Genghis Khan's invasions, but he also granted religious freedom to his subjects, abolished torture, encouraged trade, and created the first international postal system. Oh, very good. Very good indeed. (laughs) Genghis Khan died in 1227 during a military campaign against the Chinese kingdom of Xixie. His final resting place (laughs) remains unknown. Okay. It all started with a young boy, Temujin. 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 I mean, if you're going to hesitate <laughs> that much, it's going to take a while. Yeah. Temujin, yep. later known as Genghis Khan. Oh! He was born around 1162 near the border between modern Mongolia and Siberia. Modern Mongolia, which implies that it still exists. Uh, legend yeah. holds that he came into the world clutching a blood clot in his right hand. What? Uh, at that time, dozens of nomadic tribes on the Central Asian steppe were constantly fighting and stealing from each other. And life for Timujin was violent and unpredictable. Before he turned 10, his father was poisoned to death by an enemy clan. Timujin's own clan then deserted him, his mother and his six siblings, in order to avoid having to feed them. His father was also one of the clan leaders. And in 
death and when he died from poison, um, Temujin wanted to come and take over as rightful ruler. At nine years old, they said, yeah, n- no, sorry. So right. they banished their whole family. Shortly thereafter, his mother and five other brothers or siblings were living in poverty, trying to simply survive off the land. Is he the com- youngest? Uh, I don't know if he was the youngest, actually, oh. uh, but he definitely wasn't the oldest. Okay. Temujin then killed his older half-brother and took over as head of the poverty-stricken household. Yikes! Yeah, he had killed his brother over dispute about sharing food from a hunt. So his brother would give the rest of the family a sh- it wouldn't, sorry, give the rest of his family a share of the kill. Right, they were literally like living off of like rats yeah, and rabbits. Living and off stuff. the land. Yeah. Literally, literally living off well, they all did, but yeah. they were just yeah. completely They weren't able to get a caribou. Yes. Yeah. So anyways, he went his brother went and killed something and started eating it all to himself. Wouldn't share anything with his family. So uh Timmy Jin got rotted and shot him with a bone arrow. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it was shocking. Um at one point he was captured and enslaved by the same clan that had abandoned him. Uh but he was eventually able to escape. In seventeen seventy eight, Temujin married Borta. Wait, nope, can't be seventeen seventy eight. Eleven seventy eight. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, the dude's six hundred years old. Seventeen. <laughs> yeah. Seven, seven, seventeen. He was really he was more nervous than you were about getting married. He waited six hundred years. <laughs> funny so he married Borta with whom he had four sons and an unknown number of daughters soon after the marriage between them took place the three Merkits attacked their family camp at dawn and actually kidnapped Borta the three Merkits attacked uh, sorry she was when they kidnapped her she was given to one of their chiefs as spoil of war okay so they kidnapped her burned down their whole village Tim Tim he ended up escaping. Okay. And they What's took What's a her. Merkit? Uh, it's just the... Another there's... tribe? Another tribe, yeah. Okay. The three Merkits. M-E-R-K-I-T-S. Okay. Um, so they kidnapped Borta and sold her off to one of the chiefs as spoil of war. So Temujin was deeply distressed by the abduction of his wife, obviously, and remarked that his bed was made empty. Temujin rescued her several months later with the aid of his ally and blood brother, Jemuka. This is like a... In depth story, uh, it's like a Discovery Channel biopic. This oh. is like there's this is like uh, there's lots. What's that Mel Gibson movie? The Passion? No, <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> no. Braveheart. It's like oh yeah, you know, it's like there's a lot going on. Oh, listen, th- th- just make a great movie. The reason why I'm going into so much detail at the beginning because it really sets the path on why mm. he did what he did. Well, I'm already feeling bad for him. Yeah, well, that's it. They kind of really do that. So Jamuka is very, very important in this because at an early age, they were best friends and became blood brothers. Okay. Right? So when his wife got taken away, he went to his blood brother and said, let's do this. So yep. they actually went to another tribe yep. and begged them for help and okay. said, you got to help us. You got to help us do this. They ended up saying yes and gave them enough ally or enough troops to go storm and get them back. Right. So although um, the... Oh, sorry. Many scholars describe this event as one of the key crossroads in Temujin's life, which moved him along the path towards being a conqueror. Yeah. Although the campaign rescued Borta and utterly defeated the Merkits, it also paved the way for the split between Temujin and Jemuka. Mm. Before this, they were blood brothers vowing to remain eternally faithful to one another. Borta was held captive for eight months, and when they rescued her, gave birth to Joshi soon after she was rescued. 
This left doubt as to who the father of the child actually was, because her captor took her as a wife and could have possibly have gotten her pregnant. Right. So despite this, Temujin let Joshi remain in the family and claimed him as one of his own sons. Okay. Borta had three more sons. Temujin had many other children with many other wives, but they were excluded from succession. Only Borta's sons uh, could be considered to be his heirs. Interesting. So although he was a savage warlord and all the all the stuff right. we're going to go into further, he still stayed okay. very loyal to her. Right. I mean, he obviously and also cheated on her. Yes, with many but they're probably women. living. Is it? Are they living in a society that um, monogamy is? Not yeah, necessary? I mean, yes. Yeah. So, but it's like of. it's it's interesting that he does have his original wife is like who he stayed. Wife. Yeah, and she became. She went everywhere with him. She sat on all the thrones with him. Yeah. And uh, she was actually an advisor to many different things as well. And only her children, her sons, were or heirs. To, yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, so going against custom, Temujin put competent allies rather than relatives in key positions and executed the leaders of enemy tribes while incorporating the remaining members into his clan. Smart. So he believed that due to his harsh upbringing, yeah. that he was actually deserving of leadership and to rule. Right. So he did not appoint Mongolian aristocrats into military hier- hierarchical positions. Rather, people that he felt had merit and who deserved to be promoted. Right. So he ordered that all looting wait until after a complete victory had been won, and he organized his warriors into units of 10 without regard to kin. Though Temujin was an animist, his followers included Christians, Muslims, and Buddhists. What's an animist? Another type of... Religion? Uh, I believe so in the time, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so as Jamuka and Temujin drifted apart in their friendship, each began consolidating power, and they became rivals. So they were working within the same clan, but there was a strong divide between the two. Temujin believed that only people of merit and people who worthy can move up, whereas um, Jamuka really was like conservative, like no, only aristocrats can right. be rewarded, like family names, like which is very conservative. Whereas Temujin was very, we'll call it, I don't want to use the word liberal, but very progressive in his thinking. Yeah, yeah. You have to tell me there's a movie of this, right? There is. There's a full hour long documentary on the no, History Channel more. that I watched. I need more. I need like a. I need like a Warner Brothers film. I'm sure there is. Yeah, I'm sure there is. But the story is amazing. I watched a full hour length movie on it. And was it good? No, Um, (laughs) because you're telling what you're telling me is amazing. Yeah. So they became rivals. So Jamuka supported the traditional Mongolian aristocracy, which I just said, while Temujin uh, followed a. I'm just not going to repeat that again. That's fine. (laughs) Like, why would I keep doing that? In 1186, Temujin was elected Khan of the Mongols. So threatened by this rise, Jamuka attacked Temujin in 1187 with an army of 30,000 troops. Holy Lord. Temujin gathered his followers to defend against the attack, but was decisively beaten. Okay. However, Jamuka horrified and alienated potential followers by doing something that actually horrifies me when I read it. So because there was such divide, they kept um, Temujin as captive. Right but boiled alive 70 young men, all of his generals. Boiled them alive. That is insane. In a cauldron. Yep. Wait, a cauldron didn't fit all of them? No, one by one. That's insane. Yep. Oh, yeah. He was so good. Yep. The perfect villain. Oh yeah, right. Because you like him all the while until you're like, oh, there's a bit of a divide. Like, yo, it's okay, Jimmy. No, but Timujin didn't do that. Timujin lost. 
no, 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 Jamuka no, did the perfect it. villain. I said, oh, Jamuka yes, because yes, like yes, the whole yes, time yes, it's like, yes, oh, yes. best buddy, best buddy, yeah, and then like a little bit of a divide. It's like, Aaron it's Burr, okay. yeah, he's Aaron Burr. I mean, Aaron Burr didn't burn nobody in no cauldron. Nope. So the next ten years is very unclear, as historical records are mostly silent on this period. But around the year 1197, the Jin Dynasty initiated an attack against their formal vassal, the Tartars. Okay. With help from the Mongols. Okay. Temujin at, uh, commanded part of this attack, and after victory, he was restored by the Jin to positions of power. But was he still captive during this time? No. Oh. This ten, I don't know. It's a little bit unclear what happened oh, between now and then. Somehow he's not captive. Yep. Okay. In his rule and his conquest of rival tribes, Temujin broke with Mongol tradition in a few crucial ways. He delegated authority based on merit and loyalty. Uh, as an incentive for absolute obedience and the Yasa Code of Law, Temujin promised civilians and soldiers wealth from future war spoils. Okay. When he defeated rival tribes, uh, he did not drive away their soldiers and abandon their civilians. Instead, he took the to- conquered tribe under his protection and integrated its members into his own tribe. He would even have his mother adopt orphans from the conquered tribe, bringing them into his own family. These political innovations inspired great loyalty among the conquered people, making Temujin stronger with each victory. Wow. Yeah. That's really... Um, it's like... It it's, seems it's, very common sense to say, like, well, yeah, why wouldn't he just... Well, no, but it's bold people? because like, you're bringing in people who you just conquered, so... Yeah. At any night, they could sneak into your tent and stab you in the back. Well, he obviously wouldn't be, he wouldn't just stay at the no, same no, place. No, no, I yes. know, but still. Hypothetically, like, you are Hypothetically, right. like, they may not be, they may just yep. be waiting for their opportunity, but the way that he did it was like, no, we're going to be loyal to you because you seem like a great guy. Yep. Uh, he seemed like a great guy. He just killed my whole family. So in 1201, uh, Kuru elected Jamuka uh, as. Gulai. Gulai. They elected Jamuka as Gir Khan which is universal ruler. In 1201, another clan yeah, universal. elected him, a universal ruler. Okay. So Jamuka's assumption of this title was the final breach with um, Genghis Khan. Mm. Jamuka formed a coalition of tribes to oppose him. Okay. So before the conflict, several generals actually abandoned Jamuka. After several battles between the two, Jamuka was finally turned over to Genghis Khan by his own men in 1206. Nice. According to the secret history, Genghis Khan again offered his friendship to Jamuka. Genghis Khan had killed the men who betrayed Jamuka, yeah. stating that he did not want disloyal men in his army. Mm-hmm. Jamuka refused the offer, saying that there can only be one sun in the sky, and instead asked for a noble death. The custom for noblemen was to die without spilling blood, so specifically by having one's back broken. Really? Jamuka requested this form of death. And was given it. But you don't die instantly when your back is broken. If it's complete separation, same thing as breaking your neck. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? So so, it's pretty instant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, by 1206, Genghis Khan had managed to unite or subdue the Merkits, the Naimans, the, Mor- the Mongols, uh, the Karaites, the Tartars, and the, another clan. And I'm just not even going to try. And other... Um, disparate smaller tribes under his rule. This was a monumental feat. It resulted in peace uh, between previously warring tribes and a single political and military force. The union became known as the Mongols, uh, obviously. 
Um, <laughs> but they were Mongols before this as well. Yes, but yeah. he unified all of them. Uh, yeah, and right? everybody's a Mongol now. Exactly. Right. A, consul, a council of Mongol chiefs, Genghis Khan was acknowledged as Khan of the Consolidated Tribes and took the new title, Genghis Khan. So he got rid of his old name, Genghis Khan. Cool. So further wise known as that. So Genghis Khan's first campaign outside of Mongolia took place against the Shishé uh, kingdom of northwestern China. After a series of raids, the Mongols launched a major initiative in 1209 that brought them to the doorstep of Yinchuan and Shishé capital, the Shishé capital. Unlike other armies, the Mongols traveled with no supply trains other than a large reserve of horses. Okay. The army consisted almost entirely of cavalrymen who were expert riders and deadly with bow and arrows. Okay. Mm. While riding a horse. Yep. That's so cool. Yeah. At the capital, the Mongols deployed a false withdrawal, which is cheeky. Wait. Yes. They were like, we, we, we submit. No, yeah. they didn't. Yes, they did. Ooh, unsportsmanlike. Yep. But I'm One here of for their it. signature tactics. Oh, was it? And they initiated, they initiated a siege. Uh, so through their attempt to flood the city failed, the Shishia ruler submitted and presented tribute. So they were just grease bags and were like, we, we surrender, drew them out and then killed them. Wow. Yeah. There's more, I mean, there's it, more details on that fight, on right. how they did it. They had yes. like five wooden planks and they lit them on fire to make them think that there was more of them. Right. Then they surrendered and then they actually had all their archers laid back when the armies came out. They just laced them up with arrows. Because they're all such good shots. Yep. I mean, yeah, unsportsmanlike, but like, if you're trying to take over the world... You gotta take over the world. You gotta take over the world, man. So the Mongols next attacked the Jin dynasty of northern China, whose ruler had made the mistake of demanding Genghis Khan's submission. Oh. From 1211 to 1214, the outnumbered Mongols ravaged the countryside and set refugees pouring into the cities. Food shortages became a problem, and the Jin army ended up killing tens of thousands of its own peasants. Because there was no food. Yeah. So they ended up what? forcing them into them, and they had to kill their own peasants because there's just too many of them coming in. In 1214, the Mongols besieged the capital, which is now known as Beijing, and the Jin ruler agreed to hand over large amounts of silk, silver, gold, and horses. When the Jin ruler subsequently moved his court south, Genghis Khan took this as a breach of their agreement, and with the help of Jin's deserters, sacked it. To the ground. To the ground. To the ground. In 1219, Genghis Khan personally led an army against the Khwarezm, Khwarezm, what we say Khwarezm? Yeah. Khwarezm Empire. In present day, it's uh, Turkmenistan, uh, Uzbekistan, Afghanistan, and Iran. Okay. Uh, the Sultan there had agreed to a trade treaty, but when the first caravan arrived, its goods were stolen and the merchants were killed claiming that they were Mongol spies. So Khan sent three ambassadors to resolve the issue and oh. to demand retribution. The sultan then decapitated the main ambassador <gasps> and shaved the beards of the other two, sending them back to Khan Blasphemy. With, with the head. Oh, yeah. Apparently Whoa. that's worse, yeah. Yeah. This was not okay. Oh, no. The Mongol horde swept through one city after another with 200,000 men seeking revenge. 200,000? No, no one was spared. Unskilled workers, meanwhile, were often used as human shields during the next assault. They'd kill everybody but leave a bunch of them and right. hold on to them at the front of the ranks as human shields. Keep them alive. It was disgusting. Disgusting. Oh, my God. 
Um, Urgench was the last stop on the Great Khan slaughter of the Khwarazmian Empire. Okay. Uh, and they put up an absolutely ferocious fight. Normally, the Khan could dominate his enemies in a short amount of time, but the battle dragged on for six months. Wow. Records say that even after that, they actually got inside the city. They were unable to begin looting and plundering as they normally did. The inside of the city was fortified, and the enemy fought using guerrilla warfare techniques from every house within the city. Right. The Mongols quickly grew tired of this and decided that they needed to take more drastic measures. Mm. They decided that if they couldn't find all the men who were hiding within the city, they would just simply burn the entire I city. I knew to the you ground. were going to say that. Burn it to the ground. Upon the city being turned into a burned hunk of its original glory, their surviving enemy soldiers still continued to defy the Khan's forces. They knew that death was awaited them if right. they were to ever be captured by the Mongol forces, so they continued their defense to the death. How valiant. The Khan allegedly had a dam diverted to flood and destroy what was left of the burned city <sighs> and decreed that any remaining civilian or soldier still alive was to be murdered with no exceptions whatsoever. Wow. While it's unclear whether it's hyperbolic or not, some sources say that the final massacre amounted to over a million people. If this is true, it would be one of, it would be, if not the most uh, massive genocides in a short period of time in all of the history of mankind. Wow. Yep. Yeah, the only thing that would be it would be like the Holocaust, but over a longer period of time. Yep. Yeah. This is like in such a short time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In six um, months. Oh, yeah. Holy jumping. He spared no living thing in the empire, killing everything from children to small domestic animals and even livestock. Two years later, the sultan and his son were captured and eventually were killed. Was the sultan not in the city that got burned down? No, he just kept escaping. Oh. Uh, eventually killed, ending the dynasty forever. Right. Despite being known as a brutal war leader, he was also a great statesman and valued peace and prosperity. His invasions brought law and order to wide swaths of land, which had for centuries been ruled by brutal warlords. His prohibition of blood feuds forced lasting peace and an end to petty conflicts, uh, which saw constant warfare between clans and villages. Right. Having unified the steppe tribes, Genghis Khan ruled over some one million people. In order to suppress the traditional causes of tribal warfare, he forbade the selling and kidnapping of women, mm. adultery, theft, false witness, enforced respect for the environment, banned the enslavement of any Mongol, and made livestock theft punishable by death. Moreover, Genghis Khan ordered the adoption of a writing system, conducted a regular census, granted diplomatic immunity to foreign ambassadors, and allowed freedom of religion well before that thought caught on anywhere else. I mean, it's not caught on now, to be honest. No. A pretty progressive leader, yep. if you ask me. Uh, so Genghis Khan, Genghis Khan died in August of 1227 during the fall of the Yin China. I don't know what that is, which is the capital of Western Sia. Okay. The exact cause of his death remains a mystery and is variously uh, attributed to being killed in action against the Western... Um, uh, killed in action, sorry. Oh. Um, or illness, falling from his horse, or wounds sustained in hunting or battle. Okay. Years before his death, Genghis Khan asked to be buried without markings. Uh, according to the customs of his tribe, after he died, his body was returned to Mongolia and presumably to his birthplace where many assume he is buried somewhere close to the Anan River. According to legend, the funeral escort killed every single person who attended and anyone who came across their path. 
to conceal where he was finally buried. Really? Yeah. Anyone game, who attended? And anybody who was there, part of the burial. Now, there obviously wasn't people there because they knew that what was going to happen. But right. let's say 10 it, people carried his body and dug the hole. All 10 of them were dead. Wow. They killed all of them so that no one knew where he was buried. People also say that they put it under a ravine. But who killed them? The people who killed them knew where he was buried. Do you know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. The funeral escort killed anyone. Right. So there but, were obviously one person walked away from it knowing where he was buried. Right. It was like the whole Joker scene at the beginning of uh, the Batman movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, I'm supposed to kill the bus driver. I'm supposed to kill the law. It's like the one guy just walks away. Yep. He's the only one who knows. Exactly. And then he takes a poison capsule. He gets shot in the neck with a dart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with an umbrella dart. <laughs> the umbrella dartman strikes again. The umbrella, I got him. I got him this time. Uh, yeah, so that's a little bit. I have some interesting facts about him. Please. I will say that uh, out of everything that I just read, obviously each one of those battles and each one of those facts obviously goes into greater, greater detail. Of course. I had to just kind of narrow it down a little bit. Um, and yeah, interesting facts. Okay. Because every time that he would go and dominate a different land, he would always take the most beautiful women as his brides or Did as he? his women. Sure. Yep. So because of that, his lineage went on and on and on and on and on. Right. To the fact that a recent study in 2003 showed one in 200 men are direct descendants of Genghis Khan. Still. Yep. Well, it was 2003. Yeah. A groundbreaking historical genetics paper reported results, which indicated that a substantial uh, proportion of men in the world are direct line descendants of Genghis Khan. By direct line, I mean that they carry Y chromosomes, which seem to have come down from an individual who lived approximately a thousand years ago. Wow. So he would oftentimes kill any male in the defeated village who was taller than a wagon wheel. He did this ensuring that any males left behind could be young enough to be taught to be loyal to him. Right. Right. Mm. He would, oh, I don't like this one. To punish enemy leaders who would not bow to him, he would often pour molten silver into the enemy leader's eyes and ears. Game of Thrones style. Kind of, yeah. What's his name? Um, Targaryus. They would like. Yeah, they Cal Drogo. They poured the gold over his head. Yeah. Cal, Genghis Khan. Cal. He, I yep. think he took that. Like right. leader. Uh, there's like Cal Drogo. Cal. This. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Khan is the leader. Khan is the leader. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so the Mongols were not allowed to shed noble blood. Okay. Like I said before, instead they got pretty creative. And of noble blood of Mongols or of anyone. Uh, technically of Mongols, but te- they liked to do it of anybody. They didn't like to shed n- noble, blood. noble blood. Okay. Right. But. They, in, I think the rule was don't kill people of noble, you know, yep. stead. Stead? Right. Mm, steed. Sure. Steed. St- st- no, stead. Stead. Or, I don't know. <laughs> Heritage. Nope. SOS. Um, but it, it ended up being like, they would kill them just without sp- spilling know, blood. Spilling blood. Right. So they would snap their necks, break their backs. Remember that we talked about that old man that got stomped? What? On the witch, the Salem witch trials? No, he got pressed. He got pressed, but they did the same thing. Or like stomping? Stomping. Put a plank over them and just stomped on them. Oh. Stomp, 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 stomp. It's the new face. What's that? Never mind. Uh. <laughs> I don't like it. We're going to have to cut that. In recent days, people have pointed out that Stalin was responsible for somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 million deaths, which would make him more brutal than the Nazis. Right? Stalin? Stalin. Yeah, okay. Um, but he doesn't even hold a candle to the brutality of the Mongols under the leadership of Khan. 
According to historical estimates, the Khan was responsible for the deaths of roughly 40 million people. And he was glad to boast these numbers whenever he got the chance. He likely felt that advertising his brutality was actually a good way to keep people afraid and more likely to submit. I mean, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. The Khan turned a dangerous enemy archer into a useful long-term ally. Okay. So during one of his battles, he was on a horse. Right. And there was an archer who shot the horse and arguably shot him. Right. Um, it, people say that the arrow hit him or went through the horse and hit him or right. something along those lines. Dropped the horse and he stayed in battle. Right. Okay? Later, they killed everybody. Yeah. But the archer walked out into the battlefield submissing and saying, I present myself to you. Right. He's like, I'm sorry that I killed your horse. I will take punishment for killing your horse. But if you spare me and spare my life, yeah. I will serve you forever. And Genghis Khan And said, there's a sub-character nominated for an Emmy. Yeah, and Genghis yeah. Khan was like, that was a deadly shot. Yeah, Giddy come on. <laughs> Get on the horse, we're Get going. Get on the horse, we're going. <laughs> Gave him a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Wrote him up in his HR document. Give him a little tab on the bum. Get back out there. Yeah. Uh, he was known for adapting new military strategies and for creating well-known things today. Right. Such as message relaying throughout a battle. Okay. Before him, no one would really do that. They would just say, go on then, best of British luck. Right. He started uh, communicating through his soldiers through drums. Okay. Smoke and fires. Yeah. Flags. And flags, yeah. Uh, to communicate to his army mid-fight in order to adapt on what is happening. Right. This made them incredibly mobile and able to respond to an evolving battle, oh. often outmaneuvering an enemy. So, like, yeah, we're going to go do this by his run. Yeah. And then once they're running and they're out there, it's like, well, no one knows what to do now. But they're you, just you fighting hear, until they can't fight exactly. anymore. But you hear a drum thing, you're like, oh, wait, that means. Archers are coming, get to the ground. Exactly. Or this means. Or retreat, the... pull left, and then run around the back or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it, it, exactly it, right? Yeah. So, he also held super high standard for all of his soldiers. Yeah. Not everybody was. Almost had casted as a soldier. <laughs> Recruited. <laughs> Somewhere in the chorus. Yeah. All had to be well-versed in archery. Yeah. Close combat, riding a horse without a saddle, be able to shoot an arrow from a horse. They would often have a lasso, a shield made of leather, body armor, and like a pokey stick. <laughs> spear? A spear, yeah. <laughs> a pokey stick. To roast the Wheaties. Yeah. And when the they, battle was done. And the battle was over. <laughs> they made the little spiders where you cut the they cut an X <laughs> on both ends. And when you roast it, the legs start to go. <laughs> he had such high standards for his soldiers in terms of their ability to fight, but also for their standards of integrity. Right. Uh, it was said that if a soldier ahead of them dropped an item, that they were it was mandatory for the one behind them to pick it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, they also... I didn't write this part down, but I, I remember reading it that they had to hold high standards of integrity, politeness, all these kinds of things. Like, it really, like, you know, like, if you see an American soldier, like, and they're in uniform, they're, like, they get on an airplane, they're, like, almost obligated to help people put their bags up on the on the Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. You, like, are, you are a representation of the Army. You're not yourself right now. Yeah, yeah. and, like, they just go above and beyond to be community yeah. servants. Yeah. It's, like, that that kind of stemmed from him. Right. Kind of thing. Um. So yeah, and then the whole the crazy thing about Genghis Khan is how much he was able to do in such a short amount of time. Right. In 25 years, yeah. he has conquered and killed more than the entire Roman Empire did in 400 years. Wow. Uh-huh. So he conquered more of the world than any known leader or yeah. any more ruler. He has yeah. killed more. And, was, his, and did it faster. And did it faster. 
considerably. Yep. And so he's known as the biggest warlord and most successful military tyrant. So see, this is why I wanted to know. It's yeah. so good. It's so crazy. So he is like, if you just say who's Genghis Khan, everyone goes, Oh, he's the worst. He killed all these people. He's, he's a, a warlord. He's a like, demon. He's a tyrant. He's you get a, the backstory, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, the backstory is he he's still in he killed his brother when he was nine. Like there's no No, I know. You know but who's to say his brother wasn't a absolute raving lunatic? Yeah, who wouldn't like it wouldn't, wouldn't even share his, his food. Wouldn't give his mother a, <laughs> wouldn't even give his mother a rat. Yeah. <laughs> Mom's hungry. Mom nope, screw her then. Um, but I guess the most important thing is out of that, he was a phenomenal leader as yeah, well. Clearly. Outside of a militant tyrant. Yeah. And now every now and then he got a little angry and like burned down a village and flooded it. Yes. But yeah, anyways, but overall. And and like everyone just thought that he would just rape and pillage and kill everybody yeah. he saw. But the but majority of the, the time, he would yeah. actually take people in. Yeah. It was it was, it was it was when another leader double crossed it or did something shady, he'd be yeah. like, Well then here we it's go. Any son. anytime someone said no, we will not join your clan. Yeah. Instead of being like Okay. Yeah. Maybe like screw you then, in the cauldron. I love it. <laughs> I mean, I don't love it. It's horrible, but I love it. Yeah. It's. Have you ever seen the show Damages? No. Oh, it's just amazing. Like, I think there's like five seasons to it. Rose, whatever her name is, is in it. Rose McGowan, not Rose McGowan. It doesn't matter. Gotta keep but gotta. <laughs> Glenn Close is like the lead of it. Sure. And she's like this big lawyer, and this other girl, Rose something, can't remember is like her intern and like works her way up, works her way up. But there's like, everything is super shady in this law firm. Mm. But every season, in season one, there's one point where Glenn Close loses her cool. Because she's like sort of Devil Wears Prada style lawyer. Like it's a lot. It's intense. And like some shady stuff like getting people murdered behind the, like, oh yeah, it's, it's a lot. Anyway. So it's like House of Cards meets Yeah, lawyer. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a very good show. Interesting. It was on Netflix like, I don't know, 10 years ago. But she... Would throw like in season one at one point, she's just standing there at her kitchen. Somebody just left and she like totally owned the conversation. And she was so in control, but you know what's going on. And you're like, oh, she just really made that work. And she's sitting at her kitchen counter and she's standing there and you're like, oh yeah, she's good. And then she takes a, gra- a glass and just throws it and the glass smashes and goes everywhere and she screams. And it's wild. And from then on, from the next four seasons, you're waiting her for, to, for her to lose her cool. And it happens like, not even once per season. It happens like four times in five seasons. Yeah. And they do it just infrequently enough that you're like, oh, God. Oh, God, Glenn. You're going to lose it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. I but can't it's sort of like that. It's like somebody double-crossed her, and she acts cool, and just goes, okay, it's, it's fine. It's fine. And then she just floods yeah, the village. I'm not going to compare that to Genghis Khan. Because no, there's on a also, very small scale. Yeah, but in... in when in, double-crossed, she plays it cool at first and then just floods the village. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the metaphorical village metaphorical village yeah there was a lot of things i left out of like smaller instances of like other generals who would try to turn his son or brother against him oh and there was like minor conflicts and battles within the mongol empire right that he would have to try and he would always just like win yeah he's just the equation that the succession of micro battles yeah and he would also always fight in his battles no not all the times oh the one where he with the two hundred thousand men and just scourged across an entire yeah. empire because they killed his diplomats yeah. he actually headed that army no nice. he was at the front lines and he was yeah. like screw you Let's i go. was trying to be peaceful because it was yeah. it was a trade agreement that they had yeah they weren't even at war they were friends yeah. and they were the ones who were like no bye yeah, he cut, was like, cut their heads off, do cut this. their beards. Because he was, he was going east and going against China, and yeah. then west, this other dynasty was like, or this other empire were like, right. nah, bye. Don't do it. Listen. Not with Gangi. No. Don't mess with Gangi. Don't mess with Yang Ya. 
Um, yeah, that's wonderful. I loved everything about that. Good. And you need to create a docu series. Well, I'm a. I'm sure there's a movie out there that. Let's find it. Sure and watch is. it. But it's on the, on the like History Channel. Yeah. There was one. It's an hour long. I watched it. It's like a live action thing, and they have you like characters bad, to play it. I don't want that. It's not great, but it's a really detailed account of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want a like a very Hollywood version. That's what I want. Oh, absolutely. You know? I'm sure it exists. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, it I exists. want a Braveheart version of that. Yeah, but it's interesting because like all of the accounts that you read of Genghis Khan have all been like he is the protagonist. Right, that the at the protagonist. End, yeah, that at the end of everything that I've read, yeah, it's always been like, yeah, but he was an incredible leader. He oh, set oh, in oh, stone oh, oh. this, this, right, this, right. and he, he laid the ways for for modern civilization yeah. and this progressive thinking. Right, but I guess if you were to ask someone off the street who he was, like he is the bad guy. Like, you know, oh yeah, he's a I think monster. common knowledge. Like when I asked yeah. you to do it, I was like, oh no, he's the antagonist. Exactly. Yeah. But if you were to create a story about him, he would be the protagonist, right? Absolutely. Abs- yeah. The protagonist. He's a. He's a. As they used to say in Grey Down English, he's a dynamic character. Indeed. Right. He was the protagonist. The villain he- who had depth. He wasn't a one-dimensional villain. He was not. <laughs> um, that was wonderful. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. Good. And I really mean that more. Like it was, it was more than I expected in terms of like the arc of his life. Yeah, yeah I yeah. just expected to be like, yeah, no, he was a tyrant and blah blah blah. And like I wanted to hear about it. Yeah, but I just expected it to be a lot of that. But no. it wasn't. No, he was actually very honorable. We'll call so it. honorable. Yeah, so I mean, hon- well, I wouldn't say so honorable. No, he at did. times he was so honorable. At times he was very honorable. Yeah, like I said, like the thing that gets me is that he would actually give people the opportunity to join him. Yeah. And to be there instead of just killing everybody, he stayed loyal to his wife. Like, oh loyal. yeah, that was a good point too. You know what I mean? Yep. And only gave heir to his righteous throne mm. to his actual four. Yeah. And he took in a baby that was very potentially not his. Yeah. No, he did some good stuff. You know, he did some good. And stuff. also, he paved a the very way impressive to resume. I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the Knights Templar, which coincidentally happened very similarly around the same era. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, but a little, a little bit earlier. But yeah. Um, but a, a different part of the world. Um, so let me take you on a journey. Let's to the Holy Lands. Ooh. And the city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jerusalem has always been a problematic spot. Indeed. Because it is extremely important to a variety of different religions, who of course don't get along and think all the other ones are stupid. Mm-hmm. Just get over it. Yep. Live as Genghis Khan. Allow all religions. Allow all religions. According to Jewish tradition, the Temple Mount, which is the site that you've seen the temple with as the gold thing on top, Uh um, it's the site of the first temple built by King Solomon, the son of King David. Second temple was constructed there and destroyed by the Roman Empire. And Orthodox, Orthodox Jewish tradition says that the third and final temple will be built when the Messiah comes. The location Mm. is the place Jews turn towards during prayer. Interesting. Among Muslims, it is the site where Muhammad ascended into heaven. And of course, in Christianity, it is the place where Jesus spent much of his life. And it was thought at the time by Christians to be the center of the world. So this, this same temple... The same... Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about the same... Like the temple with the gold. Well, the temple mount, meaning like the hill that the temple is on... Yes. Is also significant to all these groups as well. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That all three of these groups claim significance to the same building. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Um, and not so much the same building, but the same the spot of where this new building is now. Oh, okay, right? 
Um, and it was also the focal point of the Crusades. Jerusalem was the focal point of the Crusades. Have you heard of the Crusades? Yep. Yeah. So from what I understand about the Crusades, it's essentially that Crusades were like an insanely set of racist battles egged on by numerous popes and the Roman Catholic Church from 1096 to 1492. Yep. That's what I was... When we were talking about the Salem Witch Trials... Yeah. And we were talking about, like, the onslaught of witches and stuff like that. Yeah. I was kind of putting it into, like, the Crusades and those kinds of things. And I'm like, I was expecting a higher oh, numbers. death yeah, toll. Yeah, yeah. no. The Crusades the was, like, an onslaught of, like, thousands and thousands of people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so Jerusalem is one of the oldest cities in the world, inhabited for over 5,000 years. It had been attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times, oh besieged God. 23 times, and destroyed entirely twice. What? Yup. Worse oh than St. John's. Burnt down, they built it back up, same way. That's it. Uh, during the Crusades, it was all about Western European Christians retaking the Holy Land and wiping out the spread of Muslim, or sorry, spread of Islam and Muslim expansion. Mm-hmm. So, like, comes across from a 2020 perspective as a very racist situation. Yeah, you know a, what I mean. A, a, a little bit. Yeah, not even a little bit. It's like, well, like it, <laughs> let's take it back. It's like, is it yours? Who says it's yours? Mm-hmm. Are you saying Jesus was a white European Christian? Because mm-hmm. he wasn't. No, that's fact. No. So anyway, the church actually told people fighting in the Crusades was an act of penance, which would bring forgiveness of their sins. But really, it was all just about politics and taking land. <gasps> but father. I don't like land. Do you know that? No. The Holy Grail. What did you say? But Father. Oh, but Father. I didn't hear. I I thought you said Bethelda. Oh. (laughs) Bethelda. I don't want land. I'm like, what book is that from? But Father. I don't like land. But but Father. I don't like land. I don't want to marry her. Uh, Leading up to the First Crusade, Jerusalem had been under Muslim rule for about 400 years. But in July of 1099... In go the Christians, massacre almost all of the Muslims and Jews in the entire city, civilians, children, whatever. Just wipe them out. So where are they coming from? Western Europe. Europe. Like France, England, Spain. And so they just go, they this go, is we're a taking significant it back. land want... to our religion. Catholic religion. Yeah. We are taking back the holy city. Let's go in. And they do. And they wipe out all the Muslims and the Jews. This is what I'm talking. This is what I was like. Is pretty racist. This is what I mean. So they get on there, and then, then they start. So there's shrines in there for like you know, the Muslims had shrines of Muhammad, and yep. you know because that was where Muhammad. They started taking down shrines and rebuilding them in the Christian way. Sure. Right. Um. So now you've got flocks of Christian pilgrims who start going to the Holy Land because they want to see the Holy Land. They've never been able to go there in their lifetime or in their father's lifetime or their grandfather's lifetime because it was Muslim ruled. So now that it's Christian ruled, they want to go to the Holy Land where Jesus was. But now you've insanely pissed off everyone who isn't a European Christian. Mm-hmm. So as the unarmed pilgrims are just like trying to go take a, like a vacation and go visit Jerusalem, yeah. they're being attacked of course, by bandits and highwaymen who probably were originally nice people, just living their lives in Jerusalem, but you mm-hmm. killed their cousin Ugh. and their mom, and they're like, well, I'm going to take you out now because yep. you're a Christian. <sighs> so that's the problem. So pitying the plight of these poor Christians, the French knight, Hugh de Payen, approached King Baldwin II of Jerusalem and proposed a monastic order for the protection of these pilgrims. Baldwin says, yeah, that sounds great. And you go assemble these men. He gave them quarters in a wing of the royal palace in the former Temple of Solomon, and they thus became a religious military order of knighthood called Mm. the Knights Templar. Ah, yes. 
Templar. Don't even know her. Originally, they took the name The Poor Knights of Christ and the Temple of Solomon. The sequel being The Poor Knights of Christ and the Chamber of Secrets. The Poor Knights of Temple 2? Simba's Pride. Solomon's Pride. Solomon's Pride. Uh, (laughs) The Poor Knights of Christ, Solomon's Return. Uh, they have to rely on donations to survive. Their emblem was actually two knights riding on a single horse to emphasize how poor they were. Like, we can't even afford a horse each. No. <laughs> a couple of knights literally got their powerful family members behind them. Like, they had an uncle who was, like, really high up, wrote well-worded letters, and became a very favorable charity. So Man, that- where are they to for our podcast? <laughs> I know. Write favorable <laughs> letter reviews on her. Uh, many oppose the idea of having a religious military order. But they were supported by many secular and religious leaders. In 1127, Hugh took a tour of Europe. Hugh. Hugh? Hugh. Hugh. Hugh? Hugh? Um, He took a tour of Europe and was well-received by many nobles who made significant donations to the knights. Okay. In 1139, Pope Innocent II. Innocent. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Now... (laughs) (laughs) The second. He was the second one who was innocent. No, no, no. I'm telling you, I'm one of the good ones. Well, how do we know that? Uh, my name is Pope Innocent. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I promise I didn't um, do it. He issued a papal bull, which is like a bill, I guess, but it's called a bull, uh, called <laughs> Onedate Atimum, mm. that granted the order special privileges. Uh, by the order, I mean the Knights Templar. Yep. They were exempt from local laws. Oh. They could pass freely through all borders. Oh. They were not required to pay any taxes. Go on. Because at the time, 10% of your income had to go to tax. And were exempt from all authority except that of the Pope. They only had to answer to the Pope. What? Yup. That's the Knights Templar, bitch. Um, <laughs> can I say bitch? I don't know. I don't. Bitch. <laughs> the Templars were originally divided into two classes, okay. knights and sergeants. Okay. The Knight Brothers came from the military aristocracy and were trained in the arts of war. They assumed elite leadership positions in the order and served at royal and papal courts. Only the knights wore the Templars' distinctive regalia, a white surcoat marked with the red cross. You've seen it in, like, Monty Python Quest of the Holy Row. Yep. It is the same thing. The sergeants, or serving brothers, who were usually from lower social classes, made up the majority of the members. They dressed in black habits and served as both warriors and servants. Hmm. The knights Templar swore an oath of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Um, they were not allowed to swear or gamble or become drunk. Oh, God, that sucks. Very, very shitty. Uh, they required, they can't do anything that we're doing right now. No, no. nothing. Uh, they were required to live in community, sleep in a common dormitory, and eat meals together. But the knight's primary duty was to fight. You stop. I'm clearly honest. I don't know. You're clearly Pope Honesty the <laughs> second. <laughs> <laughs> Over time, the Templars expanded their duties from protecting pilgrims to mounting a broader defense of the Crusader states. Mm. So following the First Crusade in 1095 to 1099, a number of Crusader states were established in the Holy Land. So they just, like, they owned certain plots of land. But they could never be held because most Crusaders, after fulfilling their vows of, like, yeah, you just fought for your sins and now whatever, yeah. they conquered the place, they created a Crusader state, and then you just go home. Yeah, the Templars would come in and build castles, garrison the town, and protect the states. Sure, so they could hold the land. The Templars were often the advance team in battle and won some serious battles during the Crusades. In the Battle of Montegisard, 
500 Templar knights helped several thousand infantry defeat an army of 26,000. So am I correct in saying that these are just ninja priests? I think that's a very accurate representation. Like, that's as close as we're getting. Yeah. Yeah, ninja priests. Yeah. They were knights. So like, the first, the group of them were knights anyway. Yes. Um, in France. Yep. But they became knights in a very religious fashion. Yep. Um, so, yeah, religious priests. or uh, ninja, ninja priests. Ninja priests. Uh, so, yeah, they defeated an army of 26,000. by They would, the 500 of them would set out on war horses, heavily armored. War horses. Yep. <laughs> like, they would be decked out in all of the uh, armor, the yep. horse and them. Yep. And they would charge, break through the enemy lines, mm. and just like wreck them so that the that like you know say they had five thousand guys that could just come through and then wreck twenty six thousand. That's shocking. The Templars' military strength enabled them to safely collect, store, and transport bullion. Do you know what bullion is? Bully. Bullion. How do you spell it? B u l l i o n. No, I didn't either. I thought it was like beef bullion. Have you heard of that? Yeah, it's like, like stock stick. beef stock. Yeah. <laughs> It's gold, silver, or other metals in the form of bars. It's like a gold bar is oh, a bullion, okay. or okay. silver bar, or whatever. If it's in a bar, it's a bullion. Sure. Um, so yeah, they would transfer bullion to and from Europe and the Holy Land. That and their network of treasure storehouses mm. they built made them attractive as bankers to kings. Oh, I know. Although financial the, analyst ninja priests. Even though they had a... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, although they had a vow of poverty, though, right? Yeah. But although their primary mission of the order was militaristic, relatively few members were combatants, right? Only the knights. There was all these members who were the servant whatevers. Yeah. The others acted in support positions to assist the knights and to manage the massive financial infrastructure they mm, created. Not the, so poor anymore. Not so poor no mao. The Templar order, though its members were sworn to Im- individual poverty, was given control of wealth beyond direct donations. A nobleman who was interested in participating in the Crusades might place all of his assets under Templar management while he was away. The order in 1115 began generating letters of credit for pilgrims journeying to the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. So pilgrims would deposit their valuables with a local Templar preceptory before embarking. They would receive a document indicating the value of their deposit, and then when they got to where they were going, they just give them the document. They'd be like, okay, you had this much money. We'll give you this much funds to equal what you gave. Right. It's funny because when Jake brought up the the topic, we were driving one day, and he was yeah. like, "I really want to know Knights of Templar," and I told him to email it to us. Yeah, he was talking about how they created um, paper bills. Yeah. So their innovative arrangement was an early form of banking and may have been the first formal system to support the use of checks. There we go. Right. Checks. Yeah, not paper bills. Checks. Yeah. Uh, it improved the safety of pilgrims by making them less attractive targets for thieves because they didn't have any money on them. They yes. would just deposit it at. Buckins, Buckins, go, go for ages, and then go when, when it gets to Port of Ass, they pick up their gold, <laughs> right? Uh, but it also contributed to the Templars' wealth because while they were gone, yep, they the Templars it. just had all their money. Yeah. Um, based on this mix of donations and business dealings, the Templars established financial networks across the whole of Christendom, mm. just like everything that's Christianity. They acquired large tracts of land. Land. I don't like land. I don't like land. Uh, Both in Europe and the Middle East, they bought and managed farms and vineyards. They built massive stone cathedrals and castles. They were involved in manufacturing, import, and export. They had their own fleet of ships, and at one point, they even owned the entire island of Cyprus. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) The Order of the Knights Templar arguably qualifies as the world's first multinational corporation. Sure. Yep. Uh, things started to go downhill <laughs> when the Islamic world began to become more united. Mm. Quite the opposite was happening on the other side. The two other Christian military orders, the Knights Hospitalia and the Teutonic Knights, 
were constantly at odds with the Templars, and the lack of unity created a significant decline in both political and military power, because they were all at odds with each other. And then the Islam world was like, let's all get together and fight these guys. Sure. And they did. Near Damn the it. end of the 13th century, they had lost their main stronghold, um, which to most people's eyes removed much of the Templars' reason for being. Once they started losing battles and land, people started to get pretty resentful towards the fact that they had all this money, all this land, and a whole lot of power. Mm-hmm. And like, what are you doing for me? What have you done for me lately? Hey, what are you doing, teenage mutant priest turtles? <laughs> Ninja, ninja priests, ninja priests. In nine, no, in 1935, in 1305, Pope Clement Clement the Fifth gets the Templar Grand Master. That was the head, the Grand Master, Jacques de Molay, and the Hospitaller Grand Master, Full de Verrier, to discuss the possibility of merging the two orders. Okay. The Hospitaller Grand Master is delayed for several months. I mean, what did he say? Sorry, Baz, I'm running late. I guess to dart on there now. He's delayed for several months. He's probably walking to Jerusalem. Well, no, exactly. But like, <laughs> like, gives Buddy the letter and says, you run on ahead and get the letter there. <laughs> like, how did he get the letter there? It's a relay race. Delayed for months. <laughs> a raven delivered it. Uh, so in the intervening time, Malay's just hanging out in Jerusalem with the Pope. Yeah. Uh, they just hung out and discussed some criminal charges that had been made two years ago by an ousted Templar knight. Ooh. King Philip IV of France was apparently investigating, and the Pope wrote him a letter to check on the investigation. Apparently, the ousted Templar was either spilling some tea or making lots of stuff up. But King Philip was in severe debt to the Templars, so he jumped on the rumors as a way to be free of his debts. Oh. At dawn, on Friday the 13th. Stop. 1307. (gasps) This is one of the origins of the Friday the 13th. He ordered the arrest of de Malay and every Templar knight in France and took all of their property. Philip accused the Templars of idol worship. There's this weird goat thing called... Baphomet, which is like it very, it must looks very much like satanic sort of thing, but yeah. it actually wasn't at all mm-hmm. until it came out here that they had this image of it, which originally was conceived to be like it has breasts, but it's very manly looking. It's like it's very like equal. Sure, it's man and beast. It's man and woman. Sure, it's, right. It's yeah. very like equal opportunity sort of thing. But after it came out in this, then it became sort of an occult satanic thing after this. Interesting. Um, So yeah, they were accused of that. They were accused of homosexuality and other errors of belief and practice. It was claimed that the order's secret initiation rite to become a member, the new member must deny Christ three times, spit on a crucifix, and was then kissed on the base of the spine, the navel, and the mouth by the knight presiding over the ceremony. Interesting. At the time, no boys be kissing other boys. Mm -mm. Can't do that. No. Apparently there is literally no foundation in these allegations. Philip just liked to throw some shade. But he Philip. wasn't the Philip, King Philip. Imagine him sitting down. He must have been some drunk. Right. And they'll kiss him on the back. <laughs> and the navel. No, they'll stop it. That's not Just ticklish. That's stop it. That's funny. Uh, but he wasn't uh, that original because apparently he used similar allegations against Pope Boniface VIII. Boniface. Yep. Don't even know his face. Uh, <laughs> he had a very specific set of names. He just called people, apparently. He's just like. He just had his insults that he threw around. Sure. Uh, King Philip threatened the Pope with military action, and so the Pope disbanded the order and gave all of their asbel- uh, asbelt assets to the Hospitales. So he's the feuding order. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, bye. No more Knights Templar. We're I'm Pope give them all your stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm Pope. No, this is a different Pope. No. He didn't want to do it. Pope was, Modest. Pope Modest. There was a... Uh, he didn't want to do it. The... I don't know what you would call them, like the board or whatever, the group of people at the Vatican or whatever. The board of directors. The board of directors were like, no, we're not doing that. And the he's Vatican. like, okay, well, whatever. 
And then when King, King Philip threatened the Pope with military action, he's like, okay, overriding you. Because I'm the president. Because I'm the president. Um, many of the knights were tortured. They gave false confessions. Knights who confessed and were reconciled to the church were sent into retirement. But those who failed to confess were put on trial. Among those at trial was the order's last Grand Master, Jacques de Molay, who protested his false confession and was burned at the stake. So, so sort of witch hunting. Salem witch hunting. Yes, yeah, like you can confess and we'll be fine. And you'll you just retire? Yep. Uh, he, he's, his actual words were recorded on parchment. On his death. Dieu sait qui a tort et péché. Et va bientôt arriver malheur à ce qui nous ont condamné à mort. Which means what? You bilingual son of a bitch. It means he didn't kiss me on my back in navel. <laughs> I am a navel virgin. No one has ever kissed this navel. No navels have been kissed. It means God knows who is wrong and has sinned. Soon a calamity will occur to those who have condemned us to death. <sighs> that was my second guess. Right. Yeah. Pope Clement died only a month later. And King Philip died in a hunting accident before the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Coincidence? Nope. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. No. Nope. The Knights Templar were arrested all over Europe and given actual fair trials elsewhere, where virtually none of them were convicted. The Portuguese king, Dennis I, was like, I'm Dennis. I'm the first. I'm, I'm not doing that. Dennis. What's your name? Dennis. Dennis. Woman. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Man. Is that what it is? Remember, also, it's, also, it's also the Holy Grail. Yeah, I know. You there, woman. Man. Man. I, I'm so sorry. I'm a man. What's your name? Dennis. Well, you never asked my name, did you? No. That's good. <laughs> anyway, Dennis I, the Portuguese king, was like, no, bye. I'm not doing that. I think the Knights Templar are where it's at. I'm yep. not persecuting them. I'm not pursuing them. Under his protection, the Templar organization in Portugal uh, changed its name to the Order of Christ or the Supreme Order of Christ Ooh. and just continued on. Supreme Order of Christ. Yep. Aside from the Order of Christ, some claim the Freemasons descended from the Knights Templar. Um, like, you know, Masonic Temple. Sure. All those Masons. Yeah. Um, which isn't so much a myth as it is actually a marketing campaign mm. in the 18th century to have the Masons appeal to the aristocracy. They were like, let's tell them we came down from the Knights Templar. So the rich people were like, Oh, the Knights Templar. Well, indeed. Indeed. So you've heard of Pope Innocent II. <laughs> Half cousins to Pope Modest IV. Uh, due to their dominance and slaughter of Muslims and Jews during the First Crusades, there are actually modern right-wing extremist groups that claim descendants of the Knights Templar, using their symbol as hate speech against minorities, immigrants, and foreigners. They use the whole white with the cross, like almost Ku Klux Klan-y. Yep. I don't know why I stumbled. But they have the white robes with that white uh, red cross in the middle. And they're like, no, we're like the Knights Templar. They just killed all the Muslims and Jews. It's like, no, 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 no. Back up the truck. Back up the truck. Um, In September 2001, (gasps) a document known as the Chinon Parchment dates August 20th, 1308. The Chinon Parchment? Uh, Yeah, Chinon is one word. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> the lips on navel parchment <laughs> uh, it was discovered in the Vatican's secret archives mm. apparently filed in the wrong place in 1628 hanky panky also how do we get in there yeah why is there a secret archive have you not seen angels and demons no obviously not, no, obviously we... <laughs> not. but like let's start like a change.org campaign <laughs> And, like, let's get into the Vatican's secret archives. Why is it secret? Tell us what's going on. Because of the hanky-panky. 
I want to know so bad. Did you not see? Oh, no, I, was, I keep saying that, but in Angels and Demons, um, what's his nibs goes down into the Vatican Library mm. and looks up stuff about the Illuminati. Yeah, there are so many um, movies that involve yeah that stuff. Even the, the Godfather, the third Godfather, is all the corruption at the at the Vatican with it's the mafia. Li- there's literally so much hanky panky from like 800 to like now. Oh yeah, oh yeah, very much so. Um, so yeah, in this document, the Chinon parchment, it was a record of the trial of the Templars and shows Pope Clement absolved all the Templars over the heresies in 1308, and that any Templar who had confessed were restored to the sacraments and to the unity of the Church. The current position of the Roman Catholic Church is that the medieval persecution of the Knights Templar was unjust, and that Pope Clement was pressed into his actions by the magnitude of the public scandal and by the dominating influence of King Philip IV, who was Clement's relative. <gasps> yep. Mm. It's like Uncle Clem. Yeah. Uh, even at the time of its destruction in the early 1300s, the order was the object of myth and legend. In the 1300s, this was a thing. The Templars were associated with the Grail legend and were identified as the defenders of the Holy Grail. Of course. Castle through the remainder of the Middle Ages. So hence, in Mighty Python, when you see the French guys up there, and they're yeah. like, you English pig dogs, your mother is a hamster, and your father smells of elderberries. Um, I fought in your general direction. Yeah. <laughs> Those guys are like, they're wearing the white robes with the red crosses. The French ones aren't. They are. Nope. They're wearing just normal soldier outfits. I don't think so. Yep. Well, who's wearing the white with the red cross? It's definitely in there, but it's not the French ones. Oh. Yep. Okay, whatever. Um, so, but, yeah. I did, but they are in the, and they, right. yeah. And, they're, that, and that's where the Holy Grail is, is in yeah. that castle, remember? Yep. Um, there's also a rumor that the Templars were in possession of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, I didn't know what that was, but you've seen... Oh, well, obviously, you haven't seen Indiana, Indiana Jones. Well, I was like, Ark of the Covenant? What's the Ark of the Covenant? And when I looked it up, I was like, holy shit. Um, it's, uh, for those who don't know, it's a gold-covered wooden chest containing the two stone tablets that the Ten Commandments were written on. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I've never seen that, but now it makes me want to watch it even more. Uh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Although, it's weird because I tried to get Catherine to watch it, oh. and she was like, all right, I'm excited, I'm excited, but like the... The cinematography is so old. It was made in like the 70s and 80s that right. like it's not enjoyable to watch unless you've watched it and enjoyed it before. Right. So no, like, I can dig that. I've seen like there's black and white movies that I love. It's just like an old ass movie. Yeah, that's fine. That doesn't well, kill me. She hated it. And I was like, right. you're dead to me. Right. I love you. I love you so much. Marry me, please. Still. Um, so yeah, that's the nice Templar. Man, that's some interesting shiz. Isn't it? Yep. And also they're like pop culture is like, you know, um, the Da Vinci Code. Yep. The um, National Treasure with yep. uh, Nicolas Cage. Yep. Assassin's Creed, the video games. Oh, yeah. Titans Templar are everywhere, man. And There's Assassin's Creed, they're the, they're the villains. They're, yeah, the, cool. they're corrupting the whole system. Yep, well, I'm sure yep. they were at some point. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, interesting stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Dobbin, for the suggestion and the topic. Absolutely. I'm, I'm totally into it. Yep. I, uh, I'm all about it. I love when I get a topic, when I'm telling you a topic that I'm also super interested in. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the kind of hope is that at the end of it, we're both explaining things yeah. to each other that we both find interesting. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. like I'll start at me like, oh, here we go. But then as I get into it, there's, I don't think there's ever been a time I started research and I was like, I'm not into this. No. Once I start going, I'm like, all of this is interesting. No, it's really good that we did King Kong and the Knights of Columbus. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I still find it so funny. I'm just picturing like King Kong. Is it the Empire State Building normally he hangs off of? Maybe. Yeah, I'm just picturing him like on the top of Signal Hill hanging off Cabot Tower. <laughs> <laughs> All the like the cooks in the kitchen at the Knights of Columbus around there. <laughs> Do we like bananas? 
Throwing a banana. Throwing a bananas. Take that, you Jarvis. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, episode 17, my dude. So, we got to episode 17. We and made by it. the time we hit here, you must know there is now merch. Merch, baby, merch, baby. I love it. T-shirts are now on sale. They're on sale, so make sure you email us at info.splainin at gmail.com. Let us know what size you want. Uh, we've got Right now, we've got small, medium, large, and extra large. We're going through Living Planet, local business. We're very yep. happy to support them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so, and they're lovely quality T-shirts. They're lovely. So, yeah. I mean, there are, there are other sizes if, if we need, and it, yep. we may run out. Yep. Um, of certain sizes, but we can order more. And we intend on ordering more. I would love it. Yes. So let us know which ones. You'll see lots of pictures to come of us wearing them, modeling yep. them. They cost 25 a shirt. 25 doll hairs. And you can send an e-transfer right to info.splitenergy.com. Yep. We'll take COVID cash. We'll take COVID cash. Yeah, we'll do it. I'm not what against it. I'm certainly not against it. No. Pop it in the mailbox. Pop it in the mailbox. Put an envelope. Yeah. We'll drop it down to you. Yeah. Curbside physical distancing. Save the money on the stamp. We'll figure it out. We'll flick it out the window like an old 1970s newspaper kid. <laughs> <laughs> I'll ride my bicycle and just flick the t-shirt at you. Please do. We should yeah. get a t-shirt cannon. Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> not enough money. No, there is no. enough money in this world. Oh. Where are those investors from the Knights of Templar who just would... Write newsletters. We'll start with the Knights of Columbus and work our way up. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that's very exciting. I'm very excited. I am going to wear my T-shirt every day. Yep. Every single day for the rest of my life. And thank you to Kyle McDavid for... Yes. Big shout out. ...the fresh logo. I mean, it's the same logo, but it's now on this black because the T-shirts are black. So, it's just the logo on a black shirt. Yep. But... Um, he just, and it's like, this is the file you probably need for t-shirt printing because I'm a genius and I know everything about everything. Yep. I'm like, great. Thanks. Load it up. Load it up. And we chose a black t-shirt. Can you guess why? Well, you know why because we discussed it. But for the viewers, we chose a black t-shirt because of our episode on sun and UV rays. That black will actually absorb the UV rays better than white. So we want to protect the skin of our viewers. It's all connected. And on that note, the other day I said to Tiffany, my chest was really sore and sometimes I get eczema. We're getting to the personal level now. But mm-hmm. I didn't have my shirt off and I was out in the sun. But I was mm. wearing a white shirt. We Ooh. went to the splash pad in Torbay. Yep. White shirt. Shirt got wet. Wet shirt and I was like, contest. It's sunburn. It's, it's irritated skin that got Birth in the sun, and then Tiffany was like, "How do you know that?" I was like, "Well, the UV index on a shirt, the refraction of light is really, really poor for white shirts, and especially when they're wet." And she's like, "How do you know?" I was like, "Explain it." And she's like, "Like actually explain like the podcast." I was like, "Yeah, catch yeah. up, catch Tiffany. Up, Jeff. Stop told being me all an about... amazing mother and be irresponsible <laughs> and listen to podcasts more often." <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But here we are. But here we, we thank are. everyone for listening, and also please, as always, go to our Facebook page or Instagram. 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 <laughs> nope. Inst- go grab yourself a t-shirt. Inst- <laughs> go grab yourself a shirt. Uh, Instagram, uh, make sure you follow us, like us, all that kind of fun stuff. But always, please write a review. Go to wherever you listen to the podcast. Rate us. Give us a raving review and let us know what you think. We're starting a campaign, Jeff. What's the campaign? The campaign is Let's Make Splaining Great Again. No, no, no. Not that. No? Okay. Inappropriate? Gonna, it's a contest. You can win a free t-shirt. <gasps> if. Evan. What? Are we starting this? Yep. You're going to a free t-shirt if. Okay. If you got, you, you got to do a rate. You got to do a rated review. You got to do a rate and review. Yep. On whatever podcast you listen to. And you got to share. Oh, what should yeah. they share? You gotta just, f- just follow us. Just follow us and like. We don't need to share anything. Or, or even share like the Facebook page or share the Instagram page. Can people do that? Is that a thing that's possible? Yeah, maybe. Maybe we should figure this out. You know what? Out. 
What you, no, that's not even say it. Let's just say you have to rate and review and then do something else. And whatever that thing is, we'll rate on how good it is. Like, like you know, like you could like print off tell your, us own... your t- tell us your favorite splaining thing. No, no, no. I mean okay. like I mean like print off your own splaining flag and go running through town square with it. Like town square. Like make it big, go home. And, and <laughs> go bigger, go home. And you just make get it big go and go big. home. Make it big and go home. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we should tell them what to do. I think it should be like your creativity is bonus points. Sure. Right? Okay, but the entry level, the entry gate is entry too, gate is rate and review. Rate and review, and then anything additional will get you brownie points. Yeah. But technically, you are eligible in the competition just by simply rating and reviewing us on your podcast. Yeah. If no, if everybody rates and reviews and no one does anything else, then, then everybody- we'll give it to the most handsome one. No, that's not fair. We just pull out of a hat. But if somebody does something to one-up the competition, Ooh. then you've earned it, my you've friend. Earned it. It's yours. It. And we'll shoot it out of the, the, the gun. The t-shirt gun. <laughs> yeah. I'm here for it. Please, let's do this it. This is going to be a great day for everybody. It's going to be a great day. So as well, if you want to send us a topic, please do. If you want to send us some money, please do. Info dot explain at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> The email is info.splainin at gmail.com. That's what I said. Yeah, you were just like laughing through. Like, <laughs> well, it's not that they haven't heard it 14 times this you know episode. What? Listen, they're going to be EMT in us money. We have to make sure that's going to the make correct email address. All of a sudden, info slash splainin at gmail.com starts getting info transfers. They're like, okay. Okay, money for me. We hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. Got you